Hello and welcome to the Manager Mojo Show. Steve Caldwell here and we're so glad that you're here. We use our mojo to really become greater leaders. Now, let's get started by listening to something good. Oh, I feel good. I knew that. If you're a leader with managers reporting to you, I want to ask you a few questions to ask yourself. Does your leadership team work seamlessly together? Are they focused and organized? Do they function well or fight each other? Do they communicate effectively or are they cloaked with confusion? Do they make decisions efficiently and effectively? Are they hiring, training, and keeping the best talent? If someone leaves, do you have an A player waiting on the bench? Well, if you can't answer yes to all of the above, then perhaps I can help you and your team. I help leadership teams work together harmoniously and achieve greater business results. If you want a, a free assessment and a discussion, just email me, steve at managermojo.com. Tell me you'd like to, to chat for a little bit and we'll schedule a call. Thank you. That's steve at managermojo.com. Welcome everyone to the Manager Mojo Show. Steve Caldwell here, and I'm thrilled to introduce my special guest, Mr. Todd Palmer. Now, Todd uh, is a renowned thought leader and CEO, executive coach, and author who's committed to improving lives. He's been a successful entrepreneur and business owner and was former CEO of a six-time Inc. 5000 company. He understands uh, the struggles that business people and leaders face every day. And uh, through his firm, Extraordinary Advisors, Todd guides leaders into programs for sustaining profitability. Uh, and it's our pleasure to have him today. Todd, welcome to the Manager Mojo Show. Steve, thank you so much for having me. Well, really thrilled to, to have you today. and. Uh, Todd, before we begin our discussion, why don't you share with our listeners what fun thing that you've been up to lately outside of work? Well, I can tell you that's the first time I've ever been asked that in an interview, so I'd be happy to expound upon that. <laughs> I think that the thing I've been doing so much recently that I've really been looking forward to even doing more of is I still play competitive baseball, of all things, at 49 years young. And my season's coming up, and I've been doing some practices, some batting practices, uh, getting ready to do a couple of uh, preseason tournaments, and uh, just really allowing uh, you know, the, the little kid inside of me to get back on the baseball field and, and go out there and have a great summer. So I've been really spending a lot of my winter honing my skills in the batting cage. Oh, that's, that's awesome. Uh, and do you play uh, actual baseball or softball? No, actual fast-pitch hardball. I play uh, in Metro Detroit, where I currently live. I also play in, in Florida. I played in Arizona. I played in Las Vegas. Uh, and last year, I, I was very fortunate. I got an opportunity to go play in the very first ever children's clinic uh, in Zambia, where the sport does not currently have a strong following. 
they decided to create a, a program, and I was fortunate enough to be invited to be part of that. Well, that's just wonderful. Uh, congratulations on on doing that, and uh, I hope you have a fantastic season. Uh, so, uh, Todd, uh, today I want to talk a little bit uh, about the real struggles that I think uh, business leaders are going to uh, to have to deal with, and that is, uh, how are they going uh, to compete in this uh tight labor market as it continues to get tighter and tighter. Uh, we've recently had uh, unemployment numbers that are the lowest that they've been in history. And I know that you believe that all of us should, uh, I believe you categorize it as hire like it's nobody's business. And uh, you talk about culture being the key. Uh, talk to us a little bit about why is culture such a fit and how leaders can begin to think and should begin to think about getting the right people on their team. Now, that's a great question, Steve. And it really comes down to today's current employment marketplace is controlled by the candidate. Employers are now at the mercy of a, a economy that's going very strong. And that strong economy has created such a, a talent shortage. To expound on that a little bit, like you're talking about the unemployment numbers, they are at an exceedingly low point in our country's history. Tack into that number the labor participation rate, which is at a 45-year low, which essentially means in the last 45 years, this is the lowest number of people working here in the United States. The third piece of that variable that nobody typically talks about is the unemployment number as it ties into the millennial group. The millennial group is currently running at a number nearly 13%. So you've got your baby boomers leaving the marketplace, and you've got your millennials not currently entering into the marketplace for jobs, which is creating a real problem for employers who have jobs to fill regardless of the sector that they're in. So going back to the Hire Like Nobody's Business program, what we teach companies to do is to really focus on what your culture is all about, because your culture is a recruiting tool to get interested people to consider you as an employment option. You also have to take into account what's going to make someone want to work for you, what's going to make someone feel inspired in your environment, especially the millennial category is all about working in a team environment, following a leader who's inspirational, not just motivational. So there's a lot of different factors currently at play in today's job sector. How, how would you uh, describe culture to someone that that really doesn't really understand what culture means in the company. What does that look like to a candidate? When they go and look at uh, a company and they're going to interview with somebody, uh, what do you think that they believe that culture uh, is and, and what are they looking for? You know, the culture from the eyes of the candidates is really a, a wide variety of things. You know, with my current business, Diversified Industrial Staffing, we place a lot of people into the manufacturing space. With some of the other one-off projects we've done with Extraordinary Advisors and, and helping people create culture, it looks like a different situation. And if I was going to tell your audience to get one blueprint to really define culture, one of my favorite authors is the gentleman, uh, Tony Shea. Uh, he created Zappos, which is the first company in the United States to go from zero to $1 billion in less than 10 years. And he did it all on culture in a call center environment in Henderson, Nevada, paying less than what the market rate was going. And how he created the culture, and I often talk to my clients about this, is he figured out who he was as a CEO and what the company is going to represent. 
And then they, he created a, team, a tribe of followers within that organization to enhance those culture points. So from a, from a standpoint of where Tony talks about in his book, Delivering Happiness, he doesn't have an office. He sits with his team every day. He has a cubicle just like everybody else. And, it, and he has an environment where people have a lot of fun. It's high energy, bright colors. The culture points are on the wall. And then he holds the leadership team accountable to living to those culture points. The staff then creates games and activities and a different mindset within the, cult, within the environment that drives people to want to work for him. Again, he's in Henderson, Nevada in a call center environment. He has low turnover and a waiting list of people who want to work in his company. So in his world, the, the, the atmosphere, the way they communicate, how they communicate, the transparency and how he does things as the leader, combined with the fun activities, combined with living to the core values of the organization, there's, there's a lot of different moving parts to, to creating a culture. It's not just foosball tables and... Um, exorbitant compensation packages. I totally agree with you on that, and I, I see it all the time. You mentioned something uh, in, in your comment there that I, I'd like to bring out a little more, and uh, that is that so many, uh, so many managers, so many leaders wind up until they, uh, they don't actually look for people until they have an opening. And then those openings can go unfilled for a long period of time. And yet you just uh, talked about uh, Tony's firm has a waiting list of people that want to come work for them. Uh, I, I have thought for, uh, for many, many years that people should be interviewing all the time for the openings that they don't currently have. What do you think about that in this tight labor environment? I couldn't agree with you more. It's really a matter of if, a, if an organization would treat their employees at, 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 with the same sense of rarity that they treat their customers, it would really pivot things. If you think about a sales organization, they have a sales funnel. A lot of, a lot of people constantly coming in and out of the top of that funnel, trickling down to becoming customers. Same concept holds true when it comes to employees. You've got to be constantly interviewing, constantly in, connecting with people. You just never know when an employee may leave. Or you never know, you may want to expand. If you've got essentially a virtual bench of, of teammates who want to join your organization, you're going to be in a much more powerful position as compared to the way typically people do it, is they run an ad, they pick the best of the five resumes they receive, they bring them in for an interview, and they cross their fingers and hope they get it right. Yep. Uh, it, it's, it's done every day all over this country. And then uh, they, they're disappointed whenever the person doesn't really fit with their company. And to me, it's almost like, well, you know, that you really didn't have much choice because you had such a, a, a little small, narrow funnel of people that you could even talk to about coming uh, to work for your company. So I, I think it's a great point to bring out, and I thank you for doing that. Now, one of the things that people really do well, let, let's say that they do hire somebody and they've gone through it. Uh, the, the other area that I have observed, and, and I know you have commented on this, and I'd like for you to comment today, is you get this rare person that, okay, they're going to join your team. But so many companies really and truly don't even have an onboarding program. No formal way that that person's going to start on a good foot. They, they wind up throwing them at a desk, giving them 
login, stuff like that, but they don't really get them engaged in the company. How can we change that mentality? And I guess I should also say, should we change that type of mentality? Should we have onboarding? Well, I think it's a, it's a necessity in today's marketplace, whether, again, you're in the manufacturing space or the IT space or even accounting or, or medical. There's such a, a shortage of employees for all the sectors out there, including even, you know, we have clients that bring on entry level, you know, $10 to $12 an hour employees. They can't get enough of those people. One of them, again, I'm going, I always like to, to credit others who've assisted me in my career. And I met a gentleman 15 years ago by the name of Jack Daly. He's a world-renowned sales trainer. He's written several books. He really strongly believes in the onboarding process. He even tells stories where they, they create a welcome program for every new employee. At their desk is everything they will possibly need day one, including you know, back in the day, Jack would talk about they would have either you know, a bouquet of flowers for, for people coming on or balloons or a, a gift basket of their favorite baked goods. He would not only do that, he would also onboard the family. And in his interview process, he would learn about the individual who was hiring. So if he's hiring a gentleman, for example, he would learn about that, his wife and his children. And on the gentleman's very first day of arrival at Jack's company, that, guy, that wife would receive a gift basket home with her favorite wine, with her favorite chocolates. The kids would get one or two of their favorite toys. That whole family would then be welcomed into Jack's organization so they felt like it was part of, they were part of the family. It's amazing that, and the main reason I think to do those type of onboarding programs is there's that huge battle for talent. People are not transactional. They're not disposable anymore. You just can't put, pull people on and off of the bus. They are a huge differentiator, if not the differentiator to your customers. You would, you would onboard a customer with making them feel welcomed and cared about. I don't know why a company wouldn't do the same with a new employee. I totally agree and well stated. I, I like the example that you shared uh, with us today. Uh, now, I, I also uh, know that you're an expert in recruiting. You, you actually help people get jobs. You, you do those things all the time. Uh, would you share uh, two or three recommended tips uh, that, that businesses should be following? And maybe uh, share a couple of things that they're doing wrong so that we all can understand and learn from you today. Oh, absolutely. I think the, the first thing that businesses should be doing, and some do, but many don't, is your number one source of employees are your current group of employees. Creating a re an aggressive referral program to your current workforce will help drive you uh, people who would want to work for you. If you like the way Bob or Jane works, why not go to them and offer them a $1,000 sign-on for the next employee they refer to you? People say, well, that's just too expensive. Well, your average monster or career builder or Indeed ad is 400 to $500, and then you're just kind of you know, fishing in the same pond as everybody else. The most attractive employee to a company is the employee who currently has a job and isn't looking to learn but is being recruited away by somebody who's happy at your company. Couple that with, I, I would suggest that em, employers remember two things. One, the number one reason an employee will leave your company is management or their, their immediate supervisor. People often will say to us, well, they're going to leave for a dollar. They're going to leave for a nickel to walk across the street. No, they're going to leave because they don't like who they work for. They don't like the team they've been assigned to. They don't like their immediate manager. We see it happen day in and day out where people 
like the work, they're competent at the work, but they don't like who they work for. And I think the, the, the biggest overall piece I would pass on to your listeners today, especially for those in charge of hiring, is you need to have a sense of urgency when it comes to recruiting people, especially in today's economy of full employment. If you've got somebody you're excited about, you're interested, and you put them through your processes, whether it's a team interviews, whether it's uh, an individual setting, whether they've met with the CEO, however your company chooses to do it, have a sense of urgency. If you like that employee, get them excited to work there. Don't. We see a lot of companies, even to, in today's economy, Steve, where they will interview somebody on a Monday and 10 days later finally make them an offer because everybody's so busy. It's a matter of if you make me feel recruited, you make me feel cared about, you make me feel like I'm of value to you, the employees are going to want to reciprocate that interest. It's, it's not attractive to an employee to feel like a number. And still, I see a lot of employers doing that on a pretty frequent basis. Uh, I, I've seen the same thing where uh, people, they, they go and they, uh, the recruit actually was excited at the time that they were talking to them. But, uh, you know, time passes, they don't hear from them, that, uh, that possible employee that, uh, that you're talking to, they're going to other interviews, and before you know it, you know, they don't feel like that you care. Uh, it, it's, to me, they have to sell themselves. That's, where, uh, that's why whenever we were talking about culture, I, I, I think uh, a lot of times people don't understand that doing proper follow-up, being on time, being prepared for an interview, uh, those things are essential if you're going to make a good impression on a potential employee. Oh, I couldn't agree with you more. Also, you want great, you know, tips are real simple. Have a filled out profile as the interviewer on your LinkedIn page. People want to know who they're going to be meeting. They want to know who they're connected with. Have, have excellent Glassdoor recommendations. People are checking that website constantly about whom they're going to be going to interview with. Have positive social media exposure on Facebook or Twitter or wherever you are promoting the business. It's Nothing's more di- discouraging to an employee to see negative press about a company or to see a bad former employee reviews in, in, in a sequential number from people who don't work there any longer. Again, the employees now have options. We, we literally will see an employee go on the market on a Monday, be hired by a Thursday by an aggressive company. And in that meantime, if they're actively looking, they've had two or three interviews. That's how hot the marketplace is today. That's uh, totally amazing. And, and what a great, uh, a great tip for you. Uh, I, I wonder if you would have uh, a tip or two for the actual manager that's interviewing candidates. What, how would you recommend that they be prepared today for this competitive environment? Absolutely happy to give some ideas on that. And and in today's competitive environment, be accessible, be authentic, be transparent. The employees who are coming to meet with you typically already have jobs. Have information for them. Talk to them about where you see them fitting in. Talk to them where you think they can add value. You have to sell them a little bit more than you would have had to do 10 years ago just because these employees now have options. You've got to be that attractive employer of choice. It's, it's not a world anymore where the employee needs you. you. Each party needs one another. It's no different than, and we talk about this all the time in the recruiting space, 
really it's it's how do you create an environment like a dating website like a eHarmony or a matchmaker program where you've got a great company you've got a great employee and how do you put them together as recruiters we help kind of facilitate that relationship facilitate the pros of each party but at the end of the day in that room each party needs to sell themselves on one another and we still the feedback we get from a lot of candidates who are great candidates with options are the employers are not selling me on themselves they're not creating a, a, a creating a vision of a future and especially with millennials millennials want to know how are they going to work who's going to be on their team what impact can they make not just uh, we're open from nine to five. Your salary is going to be sixty thousand dollars, and you get two weeks vacation. The name, rank, and serial number answers are are very outdated and show an organization's growth trajectory not attractive to an employee who again who has options. Uh, they absolutely have options, and uh, I I just want to add to that because uh, it, it seems to me I I may be wrong about this, but it seems to me that. Uh, you're talking about being willing to sell yourself. Well, that that requires you to actually be enthusiastic and and have a plan uh, to to talk about your great uh, success in your company, doesn't it? Absolutely, because with again with the social media prevalence out there, with Glassdoor being a big big source for employee reviews, you've got to be able to put your best foot forward. It's you know, if it's a manufacturing space, if you're looking for a prototype machinist, what cool things are you working on as a company? Where are your next big contracts coming from? What unique things are you going to have to offer? If you're an accounting firm and you're bringing in a junior accountant, what's what can that employee look at for a career track? What's going to make them excited to be joining your company? Up to and including, do you, have, do you take them out for Friday night happy hour? What does the tax season look like? You know, all these different things, you've got to be prepared as the employer. Uh, I just love that. The great tips for uh, for all of us. Uh, Todd, I know people are going to want to know more about your work. Uh, why don't you share how they could connect with you and learn more about the great things that you do? Absolutely, Steve. Thank you so much for asking. Uh, you know, at our company, ExtraordinaryAdvisors.com, we work really with leadership teams and CEOs to help them break through that glass ceiling that they may have reached when it comes to their trajectory of growth. Or if they're struggling, we help them work through some of the di different challenges that they may face. When it comes to the hiring side of things, uh, we do uh, coaching and workshops around hiring like nobody's business and creating a platform for uh, hiring for DNA, not just for resume. Uh, one of the stories I'll often tell when I'm doing a keynote speech, is I'll, I'll tell the story about how my, my, our company diversified industrial staffing in 2006 had to essentially do a rebrand a reboot in all the different things we had to do because at the time I was hiring people who had a lot of staffing industry experience but they didn't have necessarily the DNA that fit the culture we were looking to create and we had to make sweeping changes we brought in right, the right people and that, that one of the key things I talk about is by having the right people in the right seats in our organization, that's how we were able to make the Inc. 5000 six times as one of America's fastest growing companies. It wasn't just me. It wasn't just a, one or two key people. It was a team all going in the same direction towards a shared vision of improving lives. And that's really what we do at, at Extraordinary Advisors is we lay out a program and a platform for companies to figure out what their vision is and how to execute it in the, in the key areas of people, cash, strategy, and execution. And, you know, Steve, I'd like to offer to your audience, anybody who's interested in learning more about it, 
All they have to do is go to our website, extraordinaryadvisors.com, mention that they heard me on, on your show, and I'm happy to give them 30 minutes of my time to talk them through and what they're going through, whether it's the hiring side of the business, whether it's the growth side of the business, whether it is people management. I'm happy to, uh, to, to give back because so many generous people in my, in my time frame have given to me. I, I'd love to make that offer to your people as well. Well, Todd, thank you very much. We appreciate that. And for those of you uh, that are exercising right now, uh, don't hurt yourself. We will make sure to include a link in uh, this particular post to make it easy for you to go to Todd's website. And I hope you will take him up on his offer. I think it's a, a great offer. And I think sometimes just having that, that extra opinion is going to help you expand your business. Uh, so Todd, uh, here at Manager Mojo, one of the things that we like to do is to give our listeners uh, action items that they can uh, take from our conversation today. I wonder what would be your top uh, two tips, if you would, what are action items that you think these uh, managers, leaders should do uh, as a result of our conversation today? Well, I think something for everyone listening to consider is figure out within your organization, lock your key leaders in a room and figure out what makes you a great place to work. What makes you cool, special, and unique. Uh, again, crediting someone who, who's been an impact on my life. Uh, about 11 years ago, I met a gentleman by the name of Simon Sinek, who probably a lot of your listeners have now know because he has his book out there, uh, the purpose of, uh, the purpose of why, well, when I met Simon, he, was, he hadn't even written his book yet, and he helped me figure out what my was, what my purpose was, and mine is really simple, improve lives. It took me two years and probably 100 hours of time to figure that out. Mm -hmm. we talk, I talk about that with my staff on a weekly basis. I talk about that with my clients. I talk about that incessantly because that's really what I'm here for. I want to improve lives. And my staff now can take that message carry it through the organization all the way to the bottom and everybody makes all their decisions on whether or not we're improving the lives of our clients and of our candidates as well as of ourselves. So we know who we are and we tell people in an interview to work internally for us, we're not for everybody. Here's who we are and here's what we stand for and it helps so much in the process of selecting internal candidates to know if we're a good fit for them and whether they're a good fit for us. The other thing I would tell your listeners is to pay attention to your financial dashboards. Know exactly how you make money. I'm amazed at how many companies are so focused on top-line growth that they ignore areas of opportunity to improve their bottom-line performance. A tweak here, a tweak here, an adjustment by a percent here, an adjustment by a percentage there. A review of vendors, a lot of different programs out there that are very simple but get overlooked in the firestorms of the day-to-day -day headaches of running a business to make a huge long-term effect. You know, I'm in a, in a pennies business in the recruiting space. We, we're, we fight for every nickel we make. We're, it's a, an industry where it's high volume, low margin. So we really do have to watch every single dollar we spend but also every vendor relationship we enter into. So we know that going in, but I go to some companies who I'm just shocked. They're, they're making great money, but they get, they're leaving sometimes, you know, six figures in profits just in, in, in lazy management. So I, I again, challenge, challenge your listeners to where, where can you make more money? Where are your hidden profit centers within your organization? 
great tips. Uh, both of those are two great action items for each one of us uh, to take. Uh, Todd, uh, thank you so much for your wisdom today. My guest today has been Todd Palmer. He's the CEO of Extraordinary Advisors. Uh, we, uh, he's made you a great offer to have a half hour conversation with him. I hope you'll take him up on it. Todd, thank you again for being with us today. Uh, and we wish you continued success in everything that you do. Steve, thank you so much. I appreciate your time today.